is a question um, I have in my book is, how can I make you successful? And what's powerful about that question is if you simply took that question on with everyone that you worked with, and you honor whatever that answer comes up, and you start doing that, you will be seen as someone who lifts people up. And when you think of a great leader, leaders inspire, they encourage, they help others. And so the, the, the main point I see here is take the focus off of you and put the focus back over there on them. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Free Retiree Show, your go-to podcast for your career, your money, and where we learn from people that have done amazing things. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to become an effective leader and creating a culture with more creativity. Maybe you're in an organization where you already are a leader, but you want to get the best out of your employees. You want to get more buy-in, more trust, better communication, and get performance on another level. How do you do that as an effective leader? We hear this all the time, Serge, right? Silicon Valley, a lot of times you get people that are great performers, but when it comes to being a great leader, the other challenge. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's why I'm so excited. We're doing this episode. I think being in Silicon Valley for the last several years, it's you see how important leadership is and how much of an impact it has on people's lives and like their experience at a company. You have a lot of people at these name brand companies who might run into bad leaders and it can completely change their experience. So I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe you're in a position where you want to be a leader. You want to show that you're ready for that role. How do you do that? And that's what our episode today is going to be about. And we're also going to be talking about how you increase your creativity, increase the creativity in the workplace, increase your own creativity. How do you do that? And to help us in today's discussion topic, we have Jean Marie DiGiovanna. She is our featured guest, and she is an expert in Renaissance leadership. She's an international keynote speaker, certified executive coach, best-selling author, her Amazon bestseller, Stop Talking, Start Asking, 27 Questions to Shift the Culture of Your Organization, is transforming organizations all over the planet, and she's helping get increased employee engagement, improve the communication, and creating happier, more productive workplaces. And Serge, this is one of those things. You've been a part of the Silicon Valley grind, and something that I've seen in your the history of your roles and Silicon Valley is it's kind of make or break on the leadership, right? Yeah, it really is. Like I joke, and I, I don't want to bash any companies, but we I've definitely run into bad leadership, and everyone has. So it's one thing to like be able to recognize it, but then also you have to know how to like work within those parameters. So I think the gap that I see right now is there's not enough training. To, to your point earlier is people who are good individual like performers, sometimes they get promoted and maybe they're not, maybe that's not where they need to be. Mm -hmm. So I think like this episode is going to be great thinking about how can we train the people who have such an impact on everybody, right? Yeah. And then the other thing, common thing that we don't want to talk about, but females trying to be leaders, all too often what we see women are a better fit for the role than men are in Silicon Valley. And time again, they get passed up. So how can we work through that too? Because I think that's an uh, amazing thing that we can talk about on this episode. And Jean-Marie Giovanna, she's got some fantastic insight on that as well. So we're going to go to a quick break. But before you do so, make sure you smash that like button, share it with your friends. We appreciate the love and support. And when we're back, we'll be sitting down with Jean-Marie Giovanna. Stay tuned. In a place to hide, in a wonder. 
hold off, I'ma be here till the end I'm the one you ride, I'm the one you ride to If you Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We are sitting down with Jean Marie Di Giovanna. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Lee. Thanks. We are so happy to have you. So I gave the listeners a little bit about what you do, but why don't you tell us in your own words exactly what you do and explain the concept of Renaissance leadership, because this is a fascinating thing that I think all of our listeners want to learn about. Sure. So basically what I do is I go into organizations and deliver three and six month leadership programs. I also do keynote speaking on Renaissance leadership specifically. It was a body of work that I developed several about five years ago after delivering lots of different training courses and realizing that when I package them all up, there was a leadership program. What makes Renaissance leadership distinct, though, is there's some specific principles that Renaissance leaders have that I teach to teams and their leaders, which is around asking the questions no one is asking, honoring the diversity of ideas on your teams, making new connections to innovate, acting with accountability and magnifying the value of your ideas and the impact. So those kind of five principles is what makes up Renaissance leadership. And I actually use some of the period of the Renaissance and some of the qualities of those leaders back at those at that time mm. because it was a time of rebirth. It was a time of innovation. And so I apply those principles into organizations today. What's typically the the response when you go in because a lot of companies are set in their ways. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think it's great that they're bringing you in, but I'd just be curious, like how, like you give them this training. What actually happens, though? Yeah, great question. So, what typically happens is there's excitement at the start, like this is something new. It's a different way to look at things, and then when I start teaching some of the concepts, the barriers start coming up. Right, very natural. It's completely normal. And then what starts to get distinguished on the team is where there is a lack of trust, where the communication breaks down. And then I then we start diving into those specific tools to assist with that. So there's kind of that typical change curve, if you're familiar with, where you're going into the valley of despair, mm-hmm. recognizing yeah. it, and then coming back out. But I actually am, am brought in initially because the leader is typically innovative. They're willing to try some new things. They're willing to do something different. So that is an important quality before I even go in. Because as you know, when you can't coach someone who's not coachable, Doesn't want not to willing coached, yeah. to be coached. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go like to the beginning. Let's say you start at this organization, maybe you're out of college, but let's say you're you know at the lower level and you want to work your way up and you want to become a leader. Mm-hmm. And we, from what we've seen, there's a lot of people that they've been at the grind for many years and they feel like they've been plateauing. And mm. when leadership opportunities come their way, they're constantly passed up on it. Mm. So if you're coming in as a lower level employee or you've kind of, you're at the bottom, so mm. to speak, in the corporation, how do you increase your visibility, mm. increase your credibility so that when the next leadership role comes around, you're considered for it. Yeah. So, a couple of things. One is one skill I would absolutely start practicing if you're not already doing this is the skill of curiosity. 
So great leaders ask great questions. Great leaders also have great listening skills. And if you think about the leaders that you admire, they listen more than they speak. They Mm -hmm. ask more questions than actually telling people what to do. So as a new leader, or if you're looking to really become that leader, curiosity is key. And to and, and secondly is, and, and this is a question um, I have in my book, is how can I make you successful? And what's powerful about that question is if you simply took that question on with everyone that you worked with and think about that person you're working with, it could be your manager, it could be a peer, and you ask yourself, how can I make them successful? And you honor whatever that answer comes up and you start doing that you will be seen as someone who lifts people up. And when you think of a great leader, leaders inspire, they encourage, they help others. And so the the main point I see here is take the focus off of you Hmm. and put the focus back over there on them. Yeah, I love that. I think that so often what you see though, is you see the person that's a, oh, I got to be leader. So I'm going to speak the loudest. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the biggest voice <laughs> yeah. in the crowd here. And I'm going to tell people what to do, but really in the, it's funny because I've had those sort of managers through my career and one, they don't like me. I don't like them. <laughs> just, I'm just not, it's just, that's not a, a way that I can be led or a manager that really communicates well with someone with my personality. But yeah, I think it's more about instead of thinking about me, 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 I'm the big person in the room. It's like, how can you make everyone else better, right? Yeah. Yeah, that really, really spoke to me. Like, I think that was a mic drop. I, in my experience, I think my best managers, to your point, was were they actually that active listening? And the ones that can actually, like, if I have a 30 minute one on one, like, I'm spending the most of the time, like, talking versus I've had other managers who are just like, dictating everything and not letting my voice shine. And I think a lot of us run into that. Unfortunately, especially in Silicon Valley, there is a lot of that type A personality, which may like conflict with some of your training. Is that a fair assumption? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And it challenges people's personality style, which is why that's included in the training is everyone actually takes a leadership assessment to determine your style. And also, where are other people on your team sitting on that style sheet? So Mm -hmm. it's like a heat map in a way, because leadership is all about being able to flex your style to work with every other different person, as opposed to them forcing to change for you. So yes, it it definitely becomes a barrier for sure. Yeah. And I just love how you're looking out for the people that you're leading. I mean, it's hard enough to get the trust of someone is say you come into an organization and you are the leader and you have people that are underneath you. People don't like change and it's hard to get trust and respect when you just got all this power uh, and they might be feeling other feelings like, well, I've been here longer. I worked for this. Like, what have you done? And if you just come in there shouting instructions and say, this is what I want, this I want, you're probably not going to get the best work from your employees. But if you're like, hey, what can I do to make you successful? That's so powerful. Yeah. And I mean, right there, if my leader did that, I was like, man, I'm behind this person. This person obviously cares. This is a great leader. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. That advice, that's across the board. Like for our listener, anyone, if you can go with that mindset, 
for anyone across the board, like use that mindset. I was curious, uh, Gene, you, you mentioned Renaissance leadership, right? And it's, I see something in your bio here. It's putting the being back into human and how critical that is in today's climate. Can you tell us more about what that means? Yes, it means what we talked about earlier, which is caring about people. And so there's a distinction between doing leadership and being leadership. So when you are a leader, there are certain traits that you possess. And those traits are usually ways of being. They're things like being patient, caring, empathetic, compassionate. And then there's things you do like a vision, you help create the vision with your team, all of those. So, when I say bring the being back into human being, it's treating each other as humans, not just a cog in the wheel. And I'll tell you, with, with everything that's been going on in the last several years with the pandemic and the great resignation, we can see it's already, the evidence is already there that if we are not caring for our employees, they will speak with their feet. And it's a lot, it's happening a lot more now. So I, in a way, I think it was always there. But now people are really waking up and saying, I no longer will tolerate this. That's spot on. You're right. In today's client. Yeah. I'm seeing that a lot. People are finally, they've had, so we've had so much time, right? Over the last couple of years to really think about what our, what, what we care about, what our values are. And people are just not going to put up with it. That's what I'm saying. So going to the the people that want to get to that leadership role that maybe that aren't there. And let's say maybe even specifically women, women that mm. have all the tools and all the skills in the world, but maybe for whatever reason in the organization, their voice isn't booming and they don't have that demonstrative tone when they talk. And mm. maybe just based off those situations, maybe they're, people don't look at them as leaders when they should. But let's go on both fronts. People that are having trouble getting to that next level and being seen as a leader. And mm. what's your advice for women specifically that mm. feel that they want that leadership role, but maybe the fact that they're female just holds them back? Sure. I mean, this, sadly, it, it's still a very core issue for women. And while we have better equity, we're still not where we, we need to be. Where you know, There's now more women, obviously we're seeing in, in the media and also in so many C-level executives, women are being hired. When more women are becoming leaders and being seen as leaders. Inside of an organization, especially that's more male-dominated, and I work with a, more clients who are male-dominated because a lot of my clients are in high tech, and you just generally get more men than women. What I say to women is instead of you trying to get your voice out there and doing all this stuff for yourself to be seen, one of the other ways that's very powerful is to seek out male allies who believe in you, who see your expertise, who value your impact at work. Partner with them to ask them to help their male colleagues support you. Now, that's a very different angle, but it's very powerful because it's like you can't change someone. You can't change a bunch of men who just think women aren't as powerful and they never will be. If you're spending all your energy trying to change their point of view, 
work with the men who already are on your side. And that's going to help you get more presence as a leader. So that's one angle that I, I do help women with. And a lot of that's a mindset shift. Yeah, but it's, you're being strategic and you're finding who your champions are. Yes. And, that, and yes, men do that all the time. Yeah. Maybe like, without knowing. Without knowing. Yeah. It's a natural. So one of the workshops I do is around strategic ways that women can rise up in the organization. And that's one of the strategies we talk about because men do this very well. What's interesting about this topic is some of the characteristics you've touched on, like caring, empathy. These are all like more, I feel like women are way more suited for these characteristics to, to align. It's just funny to me. I think some of my best managers have been women and like I'm just, uh, what's that gap? Like, I don't know. We don't need to touch on that right now, but I just, I think it's very interesting that all of these characteristics you're talking about seem to be more aligned with women to make the best leaders. They absolutely are. And what that actually tells us is the leaders of the future, regardless of male or female, those are the traits yeah. that need to rise up. Women do happen to <laughs> have these traits come very naturally. And so, so as a woman, it, again, if, if we look at a business case, like if you're trying to sell someone something, if you're trying to sell the power of empathy, you have to demonstrate it. You can't just talk about it. And so I always encourage to start small, start with your own team, bring more of that into your own team and start looking and seeing the results. Those results will speak for themselves, but we've got to actually be a proponent of our own achievements too, which women are not as good at sort of tuning our horns, I would say, as men are. Yeah, I love that. So let's go on to the average situation where someone is in a leadership role and they feel like they're just not getting the buy-in. They feel mm. like I have a good buddy that maybe was telling me that he got put in this director sales role and he's younger, he's new, and thus it's tough getting buy-in from everyone else in the organization. Mm. Where do you start to try to your, get people to follow you and, be, and get that reputation mm. as a leader that people want to trust and follow? Right. Well, getting buy-in is very much about influencing. And so if we look at influencing as a skill, it's we have to understand what drives other people, what motivates them. So what I would encourage with this scenario is to have this individual start to get underneath the people that you're looking to get buy-in from and start to understand what is it that drives them? What's important to them? What hits their own back pocket? Because until it does that, we'll never get buy-in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is about asking the right questions to start to really understand people. Because we make assumptions every moment of every day about someone in their position. So the other thing I would say is let go of all your assumptions. Pretend you're starting from scratch with this person, like you've just met them. What are the kinds of questions? How would, if you were to get really curious about who they are, what would you ask? Once you understand what drives them, then you can start shifting what you're trying to influence and buy in so that they start to become on your side because they see something in it for them. Yeah. And then I feel like that just establishing that this person cares about you means so yeah. much. 
And I think in a corporate setting, it can kind of put you in a situation where you feel like maybe as the leader, you just need to get stuff done. This is what we need to do. I don't care about what's important to you. Let's just get this done, right? Yeah. I'm not saying that's my management style, but you know, I think that's really common. Is been at companies before where it's like, I don't care about what you do or what's important to you. <laughs> These are the tasks at hand. Just get it. I need it done. Yeah, but you <laughs> but you got to really get the buy-in by showing that you care. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Showing that you care, being a champion, all all great advice. And I love the beginning. What do you want? Like, what is important to you? That all great ways to get buy-in. Going on to the other discussion about creativity. You, you, well, I think with Renaissance leadership, a big thing is being creative, mm-hmm. relying on different tactics to get positive results. But can you speak to how people become more creative in the work workplace? Sure. So, and I'll bring in a little bit of our of Renaissance here. But if we look at Leonardo da Vinci, for example, right? We think of well, we think of an artist. However, he was so many other things. He was a sculptor. He was a mathematician. He was an engineer. He designed war machines and cooking cookware. I mean, there's things if you really dive into it. One of the reasons he's able to do that is because he, one, is in, has an insatiable appetite for curiosity. So, that's one, again, going back to curiosity. Two, and I'll give you a great example of this. In order for him to get better at drawing a human body, and both he and Michelangelo did this, believe it or not, they actually broke into morgues at night and studied cadavers. It's like they went right to the source. And who would think of that, right? It's like, but this is how what I call Renaissance leaders think. That's a little creepy, though. It's a <laughs> well, creepy, yeah. It's bit. definitely not recommended. But I wish we don't man. condone that. <laughs> on the interview process, you did what? <laughs> okay, we'll call you. <laughs> but but it, it speaks to how deeply they want to know something. And so that, that's one Example. The other is the Medici principle, which you probably, you know, the Medici effect, which is when Google does this and Apple does this, but how do they spark creativity? They bring in people not like themselves who come into the organization and talk about how they do business, bring a musician in, bring a cook, you know, a, a chef, bring in people that are not like us so that we can start opening our mind to. A different way and apply what they're doing to actually what we're doing, completely different industry, you get new ideas. Yeah, I love that. I think creativity is so important right now in innovation, right? And mm-hmm. part of being a great leader is making sure you create a space where people feel like they can be creative. And I think that's what you were touching on earlier is really connecting with people. I think when I've had my most success is when I'm in those environments where I feel like I can just say what's on my mind. Mm-hmm. Where other, in other environments, you're quiet. You're scared of saying something wrong. Yeah. And one of the things you're pointing to, Sergio, is psychological safety, right? Which is yes. a huge term now. Like it's, it, it, was always in the, it was always there. But now it's huge because that is actually what creates that safety is giving people permission to speak their mind without having repercussion and also being able to make mistakes, that's the other thing that happened in the Renaissance. And you look at Edison. I mean, it's great examples. But if we allow people to make mistakes, that's how we get innovation. I mean, we create more of a lab environment where you can experiment. 
So, Jimmy, one thing I've seen from researching you is you're into traveling, going to different places, getting different experiences. Do you think that helps in your creativity? Oh, absolutely. In fact, it's it's part of my makeup. I, I don't know how else to say it, but for example, even where I'm living now, in order for me to think about my goals and intentions for this year, mm-hmm. I booked crazy, but I booked a hotel an hour away. I went to a spa during the day. I stayed at this hotel and I spent time because in a new environment, I get new ideas. If I'm staying in the same kind of environment. And another great example of sparking creativity, go somewhere else. Surround yourself by different things because again, that shifts your energy. Do you go just by yourself or do you bring people with you? This time I did. In the past, I've had smaller masterminds where we Mm -hmm. step through the same kind of process and questions together. But I'm also, I know my energy, I, I'm a, I kind of marinate and let things, I have to let things brew. And then when I'm ready to get them out into the world, it just pops. And then I'm out there being an extrovert. And then I kind of go into my introvert. So it's important to know your own process in terms mm-hmm. of how you can become more creative. I love that. So what about when you wrote your book? You wrote a great book. So like, what was the process like that? You were trying to get more creative, I would imagine. Was there a process in how you did that? Yes. I can say it wasn't necessarily intentional, but it's often how I create things. Often I'll get the big idea, like the title. I got the title. I got the domain. I mean, I didn't know what it... I just knew that when I looked at the 20-something years I've had my business and I asked the question, What's the core theme or what's the thing I always talk about no matter what topic I'm delivering training or speaking on? And that topic was the power of asking questions. And then I started identifying what are the key questions I share that make a difference for people? So it's like things just... But notice the process is about asking the right questions to get to the results that you need. And that's stuff that I've just learned over time. And, and then when it was time to, I knew I wanted to write a book, but I didn't actually start writing until about six months later. And the, the one way that I get things done, actually, probably the only way is I pre-sell things. And it's not for everybody. The model doesn't work for everyone. You, ha- you have to, one, have confidence that you're going to create it by the time you say you will. Oh, that's bold. But, but it's what I learned in the consulting world. I mean, yeah. you probably know in Silicon Valley, the CEO comes back and says, we need a methodology because I told the client that he had one. And <laughs> well, we had a lot of fire though, right? <laughs> yeah. That's... So I picked a speaking engagement that I, had, I knew I, I already had booked. And it was, I won't say the amount of time further out. It was a short period of time, but that's how I work. And it just, everything got channeled through because I knew... I was selling the book at that time. And of course, a book coach that managed the whole process and said, by this date, you need this, by this date, but not about the writing. It's just, I knew I had to crank stuff out. So that's what drives me. And I pre-sell mostly all of my programs. I will literally sell it first. And then when I get interest and people buy it, I have no choice. And it actually inspires me to, to complete it. And, and you can also see right away, is it a need out there? If it's not, you're not wasting your time or energy. When you came up with these ideas, were you 
in a certain environment, say like Italy, or you're out in the woods, or you're in. <laughs> well, the I spa. was. I'm trying to. I'm trying to recreate. I this was. Thing. I, this I was actually. <laughs> I was gonna ask about your uh, digital nomad. Like you gave yeah. up your home or whatever, and then you just go where your clients are. Right. So very <laughs> fascinating. You bring this up because that's actually when I had my book idea. When I think about it now, when I started my when I became when I decided to become a digital nomad, and that was inspired, by the way from work I did in Southeast Asia. So I I did working with a group called Together We Can Change the World and a group of speakers go over to Southeast Asia, speak to businesses, but then we we support women and children. And I was in Cambodia and it shifted how I saw a lot of things. And I came back to my home and I said, do I need all this space? I literally did a crazy exercise. I walked into every room and I said, if I what would I take if I were just on an island or whatever, what would really be meaningful? And it was so sad to see that there was so little Mm. I really needed and wanted. And so I downsized and I just decided I want to travel more. I want to see more people. I want to visit more places. And so my first destination was Costa Rica. And I spent two months there. That's actually when I got the book idea. Yeah, that was February. and And then I wrote the book in the, that summer. And then I, it got published in uh, uh, November of 2019. So yeah, it was that. And again, travel for me is what sparks my creativity and new thought. Are you in oh, Europe now? Or where, where, like what part um, of the world are you in now? Can we ask? Can't you tell by my <laughs> beautiful background? I was actually in Italy for three months, the last three months up until December. And then I am now back in Colorado, which is sort of my home base before my next travels. So yeah, I, and I, I went straight to where the Renaissance started, which was Florence, wow. Italy. So I lived in Florence for three months. Yeah, it was amazing. And I'm also, part of it was, I'm going to be running retreats for women leaders, Renaissance retreats over in Italy. So part of it was do dil- doing diligence and, and looking at what would be part of that. That's awesome. So being trying to be more creative, you know, Sergio, he lives in Gilroy. So like his inspiration for creativity Very is limited. Low. Very <laughs> it's pretty low. Yeah, it's pretty low. But what would you tell like the listeners that they kind of want to go down the path that you did, where you were able to channel this inner inspiration to be more mm-hmm. creative, but maybe they don't live in an area mm-hmm. like Italy, or they can't go to Italy, or they don't mm-hmm. live in a really interesting place that speaks to them. Is there any other tips for those sort of folks in terms of how they can channel creativity? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many ways that we can tap into our creativity, not just about the environment and the surroundings, but also, for example, music. So if you put your AirPods in, and here's what I suggest is pick like five Pandora stations or whatever stations completely different from each other and also different from what you're used to listening to. Because again, all the creativity is all about different, something different, something you're not used to. So it could be music, it could be surroundings, it could be, um, it could be visual. So also pictures. One of the things I do in my creativity workshop is I have all these different collages with all different random pictures. And I, and with one question, which might be, what do I most need to 
improve in working with my manager, right? I might give them five different visuals. And when they look at the visual, what's, what do they see that could help them answer that question? Guarantee every single visual gives them a new answer. So it doesn't, you don't have to get on a plane to go somewhere. It's just about accessing ways that we can tap in through sound, through visual, and also through our own intuition. But again, it always starts with asking the right questions. That's what shifts our thoughts. Yeah, this is uh, that, that curiosity, right? The questions. Curi- yeah, I think that's really spot on. I was something we haven't really touched on. Obviously, we're in this like COVID environment where a lot of people are working from home. Ali, we've touched on this a little bit in other episodes, but I was just curious from a leadership standpoint, what can leaders do to like, like stand out or help themselves, help other leaders, help the employees? Like, how has that changed your like teaching mm-hmm. when they're like coaching over Zoom or coaching over whatever these new this new world we're in? Yeah. So. It- it's a couple things that have really helped a lot of leaders is one is to bring a lot more of you into your team. And I can relate to this because when I was in corporate and even all the years I've had my business, I was always like, this is my professional. This is, and I'm always, I'm the same person. It's not like I'm act differently, but there was always a line of that I wouldn't cross and I noticed in myself when I became more vulnerable, and that's a beautiful thing about COVID in a way is people's backgrounds are there and they start asking questions. So one of the things I suggest is as a leader, ask more questions that get at what people love to do outside of work. What's one thing you love to do outside of work? Yeah. And why do you love that? What's one talent that you have that none of us even know about? And so, again, it's these interesting questions that get to know people in a different way, because actually by unearthing those answers, I can now see someone completely differently. I may actually discover a talent they have that could help me solve a problem that I didn't even know they were into or they had experience in. So, a lot of it is asking the questions that typically people are not being asked around talent, around ideas, around what if we looked at this totally different? Let's just do a a brainstorm. No judgment of anything that comes up. People just want more permission to explore the breadth of what's possible at work. It seems like it's all coming down to that curiosity. Mm-hmm. A lot of it that kind of breaks everything open. I know what like something my like shout out to my current manager. Like he he does a great job in our one on ones. Like I feel like more than if they're thirty minutes, twenty minutes are just us just talking about random stuff. Yeah, the soccer game, the football, whatever. <laughs> like my kids, and then we get to work. Obviously, we have things to do, but that actually like breaks the ice, and it makes us oh. feel like we're connecting. Yeah, that's sense. a great example of bringing the being back into human. And yeah. it's like. We're just talking to each other as human beings. 100%. Jean-Marie, how can people find out more about the courses that you provide in your book? Mm -hmm. Sure. So the best source is at my website, jeanmariespeaks.com, where I'm also launching a leadership, the Leadership Lab, which is the place, right, for experimentation for leaders across the globe. And then my book is at stoptalkingstartasking.com. So the leadership lab, that sounds interesting. How do you, how is this going to, how do you envision it going? So it's very much 
all of the things we talked about in this podcast, actually. It's creating a space for leaders from all different companies to come together. In fact, there's a a limit to how many leaders in each company because the idea is that you're with other leaders. You're not talking, you're not in a training with people that you normally are in a training with. So I'm solidifying the details right now, but it'll be launched in the next month or two. And it's a safe space that actually follows each chapter of my book, which by the way, are independent chapters. You can pick any chapter in the book, go to it, get the tools you need, and then apply it. So it'll follow. The, so it's kind of like a book club slash mastermind on oh steroids. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That, you've got to meet a lot of great people. So, and that website really is smart. jointheleadershiplab.com. So I'm getting interest right now. And so if people want to know when cool. that's launched, I would totally be. Yeah, this looks really cool. I, it, it should be a part of like manager onboarding at every company. <laughs> Like this, this is legit. Like they need it. Companies have manager onboarding, but like, I just don't know if it's like they go through it and I don't know how much of it sticks Mm. through their career. Absolutely. Congrats. Well, Jim Reed, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We loved having you. You've been phenomenal and yeah, keep up all the great work you're doing. Yeah. And what's the website again for the leadership lab? Oh, it's jointheleadershiplab.com. Check it out. Check it out. That sounds like a great opportunity for anyone that's in business or wants to just make great connections. All right, folks, thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities American Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities American Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The free retiree, Securities American Advisors, and Securities American Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities American Advisors or Securities American Incorporated. Securities American Advisors, Securities American Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.